Hi, my name's Karen O'Connor and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. So I want to talk to you because I was really fascinated by that PowerPoint presentation that you sent to me. So tell me what you're up to at the moment because this is really, really interesting. Okay, so will I start at the end? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So, oh, by the way, yeah. this is Joe Dolan, one of my close <laughs> friends, Joanna Hello. Dolan. So I didn't feel the need to introduce I, you because, you know, no. you know who you are. <laughs> I know I, I know myself. I'm pretty good. <laughs> and Joe <laughs> is can, actually, actually one of the way. people who um, is instrumental in what I do now because, yeah, because of our conversations. So thank you, Joe Dolan. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's all about words, isn't it? And well, the, the presentation you mentioned is um, something I did on Wednesday for an Armadale Business Women's Networking Group, and I was talking about the memory of words and how words affect different parts of our lives and things like that. And important words for me um, include death. And they include black holes. And and I actually discovered along the way, I channeled um, Professor Brian Cox, I think it is, talking about matter and white holes and, and things getting expelled and, and all this stuff. And I thought, oh, this is a bit scary. But, um, yeah, it um, to me, it, it coloured the picture of uh, the places I go from time to time, the, the highs and the lows. And definitely preferring the colours in the middle of the spectrum rather than either end. Mm. So that's me. And and the project that I'm working on now, uh, I've got a pilot uh, ready to start where I want people to tell their stories because we should all be heard. Uh, uh, We all have quite a few stories probably. And if we don't tell those stories, then other people won't know where we're coming from, what we're thinking, and more importantly, future generations won't know. And and I, I would love for my great-grandkids to know what I thought about different things and how I experienced uh, events that happened in my life. That's really interesting yep. that you say that because one of the things that I'm always, I mean, you know that I've started this podcast and the blog and everything to get people's stories because I find people's stories fascinating. But to me, I've always felt that I need to know people's stories so I get the context of who they are and where they're coming from, you know. And um, I've been criticised for that because it's like, oh, you know, you're just trying to put people in a box. And But it's to me it's not putting people in a box, it's understanding their viewpoint because only by getting mm. a certain amount of information can I fully understand where they're coming from. And so sharing stories to me is really, really important because it gives us a unique perspective for somebody's viewpoint. It gives me understanding. And that's what you're yeah. saying, isn't it? Ab- absolutely what I'm saying. But the the other thing that I've discovered on, on this, uh, I hate the word, but journey <laughs> or whatever it is, it's just, yeah. Okay. I know, right? I know. <laughs> what, one, of the, one of the things I've discovered now that I'm 60 years old is, <laughs> is, is, 
is, is that when you ask yourself some of these questions um, about experiences that you've had in your life, you actually learn about yourself and, and you realise how much you have been put, putting on a persona to the public that is not you at all. And, and you've just squashed yourself almost into oblivion unless you acknowledge the way you, you see the world. So can you give me an example of that? Well, I'd, pe- people get upset with me. I, I talked on Tuesday about four defining deaths that uh, really chunked my life into four different eras. Yeah, I guess. And, and I, I, I have a bit of a joke about death. And the slide where I talked about these four deaths, I had a picture of Elvis Presley because that's my sense of humour. My father died on the same day as Elvis Presley. So, and and I, somebody was talking to me afterwards and said, you know, that was a really weird, weird take on death. And I said, that's my take on death. So it's it's not a it's um and and in the case of Kate, my daughter, who died age twenty two, uh, there it was being just so grateful that I'd had her for that time. And if I wanted to go down the dark path of living the grief and and just constantly having that grief as a defining part of my life, that's that's not being me. That's not being alive, and it's not actually being open to new experiences. It's it's just stop, stopping living. And yeah, there's no no point hanging around if if that's the way you're going to be. That's my take on it. And some people might object to that, but sorry, I'm here. Look out. <laughs> See, that's the thing to me about finding out everybody's yeah. stories because yeah, it, it gives a reason for the way people are and the things that they do. Uh, like yeah. we found out one of my cousins does genealogy and we found out that one of my great, 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 I think it was auntie. I don't think she was actually my direct ancestor. But she ended up in the workhouse with a baby because she was an unmarried mother. And I I can't comprehend why you'd allow that to happen to yourself. But in that context of Victorian England, that was the only option she had. And one of her, her sisters actually adopted the baby and brought the baby up as their own. So this particular ancestor that we thought was this couple's baby wasn't that couple's baby. It was another woman's baby. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you, you know, it's, it's really yeah. important. Your story, your sense of humour about death comes out of your experiences around death and your personality that makes you, that allows yeah. you to cope with it. That's the way you cope with it. It's not wrong. It's just what works for you. Yeah, yeah. You know? Absolutely. It's it's not all about the humour. It, it it was when I was actually looking at those four deaths that that was my mother, my father, my stepmother, and my daughter. And one of the overriding memories each time is bright sunshine. Now I don't know if that's a a true memory or not, but I remember funerals on sunny days. I remember standing in sunshine on the phone to an aunt or something like that, it's all about sunshine. 
And I don't know where that comes from or whether it's a true memory or the way I've I've made that memory for myself. Wow. Because sunshine is so much better than the brim cupboard or something like that. So I don't know. <laughs> so what was yeah. the purpose of what you did on Wednesday? Well, the purpose there was um, I was invited to speak to talk about how I became an editor, basically, so how, how I got from birth to being an editor and right. experiences that shaped my decisions into building that business. So, and then they're moving into the next phase, which is, is actually getting other people's stories and making it easy for them by giving them prompts about different things and then just talking to them and letting them just reveal the memories as they come out. So how many of you, when when you're asked to do something, just say yes and work out that you'll you'll work out the how and the why later on? And I, I think there's many of us who do that. And I was talking about that with some friends a few weeks ago, and one of them said, "Yeah, that's being a yesaholic, and um, it's it's not really doing yourself justice." But on this occasion. I'm actually excited to share the story because being a yesaholic has given me the opportunity to put a point of view forward that some people may not have thought about. So um, although I'm a bit fearful about sharing some things in my life, it's about time I did because too often we're silenced um, either because we silence ourselves because we don't think we're important enough or we we are afraid what other people will think or they won't expect us to say it the way we we just come out with. Um, and the th- thing I've realised in, in the last few years is that my story is mine and my perspective on my story is is very much my own. So, and it, it should be heard, um, even if it's not published, uh, but it should, should be t- put down somewhere getting a bit tongue-tied there but in any case I'm just going to meander through some of the stuff that brought me to where I am today and I'm the only one in my head and as I've said a few times trust me you really don't want to be in my head but I don't want to be in yours either when all is said and done so let's go on sharing my story my way so Arch Nelson I, I actually had the pleasure of working on this book in the mid 90s and he he didn't steal my title because it was his idea before mine but this is a really good thing about memories um you only remember the way your your context at the time and and your memory of that event evolves as you grow so yeah arch arch was a pretty important person um to write this story, he was into adult education. He believed in education being a lifelong tool and he had an amazing life. The book, if you can get a hold of it, is a really interesting book. So like many people, my memories are built on the words I hear and the words I read and the words that are written by others So, and the words I write myself. And, for instance, if you mention middle children or left-handedness, to me, I get a really weird mix of memories that, that come up about it. So, and I, I used to think I was alone in that. 
So um, the memory of words. Mark Twain said, when I was younger, I could remember anything, whether it happened or not, but my faculties are decaying now and soon I shall be so I cannot remember any but the things that happened. And the funny thing about this quote is that that last part about remembering any but the things that happened, he actually changed that to any but the things that never happened. So there, wow. there's this thing, our memory can play a lot of tricks on us. So, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting thing. This is the original quote and the one that's most used these days. And that was written in 1907 and there, there are a few different versions about it, but it's about that, um, the things that happened and the things that never happened that we remember. And he used a, an example of having a clear memory until late in life um, that he drank whiskey with his grandfather when he was five months old. And you sort of look at that and go, wow, yeah, I can, I can remember things like that too, not so and and i've got my own example i don't have a memory of it but the story goes that my fear of dogs stems from an incident on a beach when i was about six months old and according to the stories an alsatian licked me and i've been scared of dogs ever since so that story was told to me initially my memory is by my father and then I think I've embellished it over years and it's become quite a thing with me, being scared of dogs. So where did it all start for me? So I, I was actually born in Edinburgh in 1959 and this, according to Google, is a photo of Edinburgh Castle in 1959, in colour even, so it's not that old. And that's... Um, one of the main drags in Edinburgh in 1959, and I I just love those old buses and things like that. I remember riding on them, but I don't know if that's a true memory either. So my family and I, uh, that was my parents and uh, my older brother and my older sister came to Australia in 1961 on the Johan van Barenveldt, which actually sunk in the Suez Canal or it might have been the Panama Canal in 1963. So, yeah. Um, well, I've got somebody here. Yeah. We'll have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can hear them in the background. I'm looking right. Yeah. I'm sure there's nobody here. Yeah. No. You're in the office, yeah. are you? Yeah. So... So we, we came to Australia and my father uh, took up a lectureship at the University of New England, um, yeah, in, in 1963. And uh, in 1961, I better get this right. I'm losing the plot. Ah, okay. Right. I'm back with it. I'm back with it now, Karen. Right. So talking to, to my aunts earlier this year, I, I was actually in the UK in March and I visited most of my aunts. And her memories of the time when we came to Australia were very different and, and said a lot and ch changed my memories surrounding that occasion. So it was, it was just interesting listening to her, her perspective. She, she was left in Scotland at that time with ageing parents and, and my mother, her sister, um, jaunted off with um, three kids and a husband to a brand new life the other side of the world. 
um, pretty inaccessible back in those days, all things considered. So we, we arrived in Armidale, direct from Edinburgh, uh, six months at sea, apparently, and then things started to go a bit wrong. Uh, my mother died. Uh, the, the next next part we're going to talk about is the, these four key deaths that I mentioned a little bit earlier on. In 1963, my mother died on the 10th of March. Um, I was three and she was 31. And we'd been in Australia for less than two years at that time. And my memories of the time immediately after a passing are scattered. I remember bright sunny days and also the dreary and somewhat scary darkness of St. Pat's, the local orphanage, Catholic orphanage. There were nuns whispering around me, then loudly calling my name when I was hiding in a broom cupboard under the stairs for a reason that actually escapes my memory. My father died in 1977 on the 17th of August, technically the same day as Elvis, considering the time zones. He was 48 and I was 17. I was in the middle of a trial HSC exam and I clearly remember Goldie, the school principal, coming into the exam room and talking to the supervisor, Hacho, and both of them looking at me. I thought they thought I was cheating and that was a huge joke because I said to myself, I don't even know enough to prepare a cheat sheet. <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit of a worry. I finished the exam and my older brother arrived on the scene. It gets a bit blurry then, but I remember bright sunshine uh, over the next week or so. My stepmother Mary died in 2004 on the 2nd of April. She was an extraordinary person in so many ways and I'm proud to call her my mother. She was 72 and I was 44. I still think, what would Mary say when I hit a road bump in life? I remember bright sunshine. Kate, my eldest daughter, died on the 13th of March, 2010. Uh, many people actually know this story. She was 22 and I was 50. I'm so lucky to have her in my life and in my life story. She now rides shotgun on my right shoulder and is not afraid to say, oh, mumzo, when we cried. I remember bright sunshine. So enough of all that stuff. Let, let's go into even deeper, deeper stuff. <laughs> go on, really? Right. Yeah. Can, can, can we do this? Can we do this? We can do this. Yeah. Okay. Black holes are usually formed. This is where I do my Brian Cox thing. <laughs> Black holes are usually formed after the collapse of a massive star. A black hole opens up for me when something triggers a memory. It's often buried so deep that I'm unaware and it causes me to react in interesting ways. The whole process for me seems to be a time of watching myself being dragged by some powerful force into a darkness. I am quite definitely in two places at once, both the star of the show and the spectator, trapped in my ticketed seat and unable to switch off the scenes that are unfolding in front of me. It's actually... Um, just below me. I'm always watching from slightly above, and, but not from a, any significant height. When I'm teetering on the edge of a black hole episode, there are signs that I've learned to most times take notice of. My fear of dogs increases. I can't write, which is really quite terrifying in some ways. I withdraw even more. My sleep is even more disrupted. 
and perfection is essential. essential. Uh, absolutely, if I can't make it perfect, then it's just not going to happen at all. So I get overwhelmed and I just stop. So everyone tells me my mask is quite effective. These days, I'm lucky to have friends who pick up on the signs, even if I haven't myself. I'm also lucky because I know now that addressing the signs early can save weeks and months of appearing to be holding it all together. I told you that mask was effective while I'm actually letting everything slide. I know I'm lucky. Talking, physical activity and breaking through that inability to write because perfection doesn't come on the first draft are what the things that bring me back. So according to many astrophysicists, here we come back to Brian Cox again, the opposite of a black hole is a white hole. While black holes don't let anything escape from their surface, white holes are eruptions of matter and energy and nothing can get inside them. To be honest, I don't think I want to go to either end of the spectrum. It's a good thing that life isn't a simple case of the black and the white. It's all those colours in between that make, make your life so so different and diverse. So that is enough of all that stuff, isn't it? Although I do, I, I do like the Brian Cox stuff because I, I can actually see him explaining all that. that yeah, white so do I. Stuff. I'm like, no, yeah. no, no, carry <laughs> on. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's bring this baby home. Um, I've wandered through a variety of jobs in my life and I, I use the word wander intentionally. And remember, it's all to do with the memory of words. I've enjoyed every job that I've done and the pay was definitely useful and the connections with others are steadying influence along the way and the learning enormous value. Amongst other things, I've been a dishwasher, a bank officer, a tea lady, a clarinet teacher, an admin assistant, a checkout chick, a public relations officer and a few other things along the way. I probably hit my stride when I completely fell apart in the mid-2000s, so sounds a bit counterintuitive, but it actually happened. And while I was on the road to recovery, I lost or chose to leave behind a lot of things that I thought defined me at that time. Geographically, I stayed in place, but I moved into myself and I began to nurture those things that particularly interested and resonated with me, so I did start looking within. I'd had a hobby business for many years, but being virtually unemployed, I needed to find something that would put bread and butter on the table consistently. A sign saying drivers wanted launched me into a career as a taxi owner operator. That was great fun and there's plenty of stories to be told that I will tell at some stage. And it gave me the flexibility to some extent to um, go backwards and forwards to Sydney um, for appointments with Kate while she was going through the treatment and things for the melanoma. I was doing okay with the taxi business, uh, but I knew that there was something else that I wanted to do, but I wasn't really inspired to jump into anything. And then a few things happened within about six months. Uh, one day I was sitting on the taxi rank in the car, and this is a really clear memory. I was three cars back on the rank. It was a beautiful early winter blue sky day, sunshine again, fairly quiet, and I was trying to read the local newspaper. Now, there's a reason that copy editors should always have a place in the publishing process. I put the paper away in disgust and signed up immediately for an editing course. And it was almost literally immediately. 
and only a few months later, completely out of the blue, somebody offered to buy the taxi plates off me. And after not very much thought at all, I accepted the offer and agreed to do the handover on the 1st of April. There again, my quirky sense of humour. So <laughs> that's the short version of how I became a professional editor. And though, although I could, after a fashion, read and write before I started school, I remember the Pete and Jane, Peter and Jane Ladybird books really well. And this is a memory that came back to me recently and includes the fact that we had a complete set of those books at home. But remember that Mark Twain quote. And in my classroom at school, we had the books set up in the shelf in a corner near the piano. And that brings back another memory. Kindergarten was such a fun year. My first ever day at school, I got a black eye and things went downhill from there. So, but that's the story for another day. So the, re the reason I'm te telling my reading story is I've been a reader for as long as I can remember and I'm happy to read most things uh, from a science textbook to a, a pretty woeful novel. But the things that I read have to be reasonably well written, they have to be proofread and, and they can't contain glaring inconsistencies. My reading life is almost completely separate from my editing life. It's a rare end of the day if I go to bed and don't read for my own enjoyment, even if I've put in a huge day of editing. So writing, writing is now over six years old and business is changing and growing at the same time. Almost as soon as I started out, I had the opportunity to join a business networking group, which gave me a lot of skills in networking and things like that and opened my eyes to a few other things. And I was also fortunate enough to follow up on a scam that um, that actually led me in, into, into my particular niche, which is editing for English as a second language clients. So something of the yesaholic mentality is there, uh, never, never far away from things that do to serve others. Uh, so often I've got too much to do, but a great thing that I can do now is work, work on this passion for, for actually getting people to tell their stories and, and actually through telling their story get to understand themselves and why they've made choices in their life so well. So the, the secret to it all is, is to look within, answer the questions and don't answer them in the way you would uh, you think other people expect you to answer them, but answer them honestly from, from your heart. And that is the end of it. So it's, and, and this quote, I, I love this quote. So um, for anybody uh, amongst us who is a doubter, it's impossible, says pride. It's risky, says experience. It's pointless, says reason. But give it a try, says the heart. And that is the most important thing. Give it a try. Tell your story. Oh, uh, that was that was absolutely brilliant. So, you know, since oh, probably when did I first meet you? When, whenever, and then about twelve months after that, you started talking about what was then called "Write Your Life." Yeah, which was yeah. basically to get people to share their life stories or parts of their life stories and get it down 
for posterity. I was going to say get get it written yep. down, but it's not necessarily written down, is it? And this has kind of stepped up from there, hasn't no, it? No. So yeah, it has. It's a evolution. <laughs> so what is it? What is it you're you're doing now? What? Tell me all about. Explain to me what's happening. All right. Well, what, what I'm doing, uh, I hopefully in the next three months, I'll have a website developed, and and I'll actually be holding. At this stage, it'll probably be fortnightly little brainstorming sessions with anybody who's interested. I've got nine questions, and I think think what it, whatever way you want to look at it, those nine questions can cover all aspects of your life one way or the other. There's there's the basics that you can start with. I was born, I've got six brothers and 12 sisters and and 19 mothers and 28 fathers and, and all those things, So all, all those things that can go into it. Because you can ask, I, it, it might sound funny, but you can ask people who is your family and a lot of them, you can even say, who are your parents? And that they will not choose their birth, their genetic parents. They, they will choose some figures that have been important in their life and made them what they are or what they perceive have, have made them what they are. So, so the whole idea is the, the questions are just prompts to get people to talk about different aspects of their life the events that happen in their life. And so I, I've obviously used the the death experience in my life because it has been an important part. And so people just encourage people to talk about the different aspects that make them what they are. So that's that's the the plan. And it they can either write themselves, which which would be lovely. I'd love to see more people writing their own stuff again. And 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 realizing that the first draft is a draft; it doesn't have to be perfect. So, and 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 that's that can be a a block for a lot of people. So, inca- just encourage them to play with the words. And the other thing is, if they don't want to do that, then we can do interviews very similar to your podcasts and things like that, and just elicit the memories. And then that those memories can be transcribed. And, and made into the story. So I think that's so that, really important yeah. what you're saying there because yeah. I know I've never been able to keep a diary. Like it's just ne- I've never been able to do it. And then when yeah. somebody said to me, do a journal, I'd just look at the blank pages and go, yeah, I've got nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. And so it was only about four or five years ago and somebody said to me, stop trying to get it right it doesn't have to be in chronological order. It doesn't have to make sense. Just, yeah, just. That was me. That was you. That was you. And just get it out of your head. Just yeah. like it, don't worry about anybody ever reading it. Don't worry about, um, about yeah. it making any sense whatsoever. Just whatever comes up into your head, write, if it's, write it down, even if it's something like it's a lovely day today. I had uh, muesli for yeah. my breakfast. Um, my eldest is really getting on my nerves. These shoes are hurting me. And But once you start, it kind of yeah. starts flowing. And once you allow yourself to just write whatever comes up in your head, like you said, it yeah. just starts flowing. And then I don't really remember, but 
once it started flowing for me, I spent literally three weeks. You did. You did. Just writing. (laughs) And it it kind of got all this stuff out of my head. And what, what was amazing and what I hadn't expected was like, our brains fill up. This is my visual analogy of, of how my head works, right? My brain yeah. was stuffed like a hoarder's hovel. It was just stuffed full of crap. So I had nowhere yeah. to go. I could only kind of wander in this same little pathway, wondering why I was never getting anywhere different. And so in all the writing, just took little bits out and put them elsewhere so that eventually I had enough space to actually do something a little bit different and walk around in a different yep. direction, you know? And that's another thing mm. I think once, and that was the, the really interesting thing that I found was once I started clearing some stuff, all this other stuff then appeared that had been hidden under this other yeah, compression. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And it's really fascinating because I remember talking to you years ago about the um, when your mum died and the cupboard. Yeah, yeah, the broom cupboard. The broom cupboard. And you couldn't get to the book because we spent a whole evening with lots of red wine, admittedly, talking about it. (laughs) That was good, yeah. It was a good evening. I I still haven't got... Yeah, I still haven't got to the bottom of that, but I don't think I need to. No. I, I just know there was something happened there. It, it might have been nothing. Yeah. 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 I might have just wanted a quiet spot. So and and it's, it's really, so there's like a double side of things. There's one thing is it's yeah. really beneficial for the person doing the talking, but it's also really yep. beneficial for the people doing the listening at some point. Yeah. Like, you know, you just mm. you can just... You can take all of that jumble of stuff that comes out of somebody's head if they choose and make it into a logical progression of stories, yeah. can you? Yes. Yeah. That's one of yeah. the things that you and, do. And the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lo- logical doesn't ne- necessarily mean chronological uh, because that's not, not the way our memories work. So um, one memory you, you can deal with that one memory and it will prompt you to remember other things it's like you said once you get some of that shit out of your head then you've you've got room for other shit so it's 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 the same same as breathe that theory of breathing you know you breathe out the bullshit and breathe in the good shit so Mm. um, I, i love that yeah so well you don't have to put that in if you don't want to but it's it's that same concept uh, you don't know what's going to come up once once you've mm. got rid of one one memory and and actually put it in its place, which might be just down on paper. That's its place, mm. and it's dealt with, and you can forget about it. and And you've got room. You're, you're more open for other other things to come in. Yeah, so, and the the point yeah. you made about compression is I, I hadn't really gotten that before. But when you lift something off. What yeah. it was pressing down on then kind of yep. bubbles up to the yeah. surface or expands, and you can go, "Oh, look! I can get a hold of that now and put that one yep. elsewhere as well." So yeah. you just become yep. so, so much so, lighter. Yeah, and I, I, I just have this vision of of when when you're telling these stories, you you've got that bookshelf like kindergarten where where the Peter and Jane books are on the shelf, and and the shelf is just growing with the books. 
as more and more memories come out, you can shelve them and you can pick pick one down. If you want to remember it again, you can pick it down. There's your memory. That would be really fascinating yeah. because I bet every time you brought down that little memory, something else would become attached to yeah. it that you hadn't considered before. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I think because every time you read those Peter and Jane stories, you learn words in a different way. Mm. Yeah, and it goes back to I, I really should, should study this properly because I'm not a professional in this area, but I'm told that every time you remember something, it's the first time you remember it because you're remembering it slightly differently every single time, that Ooh. one memory. Yeah. And Ooh. I find that fascinating. I'm just, whoa, really? Yeah, so do I. So if you wrote yeah. something down, if you wrote a memory down and then you went back to it five years later and you go, no, 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 no. That's, yeah. not, that's not what happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, I probably, yeah, the factual stuff will probably stay in place, but how, how you experience the memory changes over time because you've got more life experience and and your perspective has probably changed. Mm. So, and I, I think pe- a lot of people, interestingly, talking about it, a lot of people, their their perspective of things has changed because of the pandemic and what, what it's doing to social structures and, and to a whole, whole way of thinking about how things should be done and how things could be done. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is you don't need to be any any good at writing. <laughs> no, this, do you, you don't at all. Don't have yeah. to be, you know, because I had it in my head that I was no good at writing. I absolutely had it yeah. in my head that I was no good at writing. And, you know, to be fair. You're if brilliant I, at writing. Oh, thank you. But if I hand one of my, my pieces to you, you'll go, well, that grammar's wrong and you use the wrong punctuation there, whatever. But Incorrect. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to pull you up right there because that, that's the beauty of my form of editing is I'd like to keep the writer's voice. Yes, yes. So, so um, if, if, I'm at, uh, if I'm editing academic stuff, it's slightly different, but I still like to keep the writer's voice. But when when we're doing your personal stuff, I'll correct the spelling and I'll put put in commas if I think it's necessary. But I'm not going to lose the writer's voice. Or take the I, commas I out. I refuse in to my do case. that. Yeah, yeah. You're actually yeah, so. genius at that because yeah. I've tried to edit. My uncle wanted to do his own little blog thing, and I couldn't do it without taking away his voice. And I didn't realise until then just how difficult it is. <laughs> to allow somebody to keep their own voice. So for me, I just write as I talk, as you know, whatever goes yeah. on in my head and comes out my mouth. Which, which, is what, what, which is why I love your writing so much. Oh, thank because you. Because every, every, every time I read something by you, I hear you. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think that's, that's so important. You're, you're giving yourself. You're not giving something else you are actually giving you to your readers yeah and I think it's like what I was concerned about when I started was that you know you're taught to write in a particular way and it has to be more formal and it has to be correct and yeah 
But if you don't do that and you just allow yourself to talk as though you'd have a conversation with somebody or you were telling your grandkids or talking to your yeah. dad or whatever, that that is what needs to go down on paper because that's your perspective coming out. It's not right or wrong. It's just yeah. your perspective. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other interesting thing, uh, if people are scared of actually typing on on their laptop or or anything like that go back to handwriting it's a, such a completely different way of writing and the creativity that comes from handwriting compared to typing just amazing mm. yeah because you've got the mechanical type 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 or you've got that thing where where you are actually physically connected with the paper mm. through through your pen so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Really interesting. It is. Well, yeah. I wouldn't call my handwriting yeah. necessarily beautiful, but it's, no, I have to, if I'm yeah. organising, I have to do it by hand. I can't do a schedule yeah. on paper. I've got to, like, you, you know, think about how do I want things to look. It has to be handwritten. Um, just doesn't work yeah. for me otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I only learned yeah, that I, through I, you I, going, write it down. <laughs> Write it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, write, write it down. Yeah. Listen, listen to me. Learn, learn how to handwrite. Yeah. Yeah. One day I'll learn too. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> so, my, my, my handwriting, one, one day my handwriting might be framed and put up as a work of art. <laughs> Somebody might see me as a, a second version of Jackson Pollock or something like that. <laughs> Oh yeah, think that yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's all yeah. No, I'm not going to go down that track now because I might get myself in real trouble. <laughs> well, we'd be here for another half a day, and there'd be some glasses yeah, and wine imbibed once five o'clock hits. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'd have to get home. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I so I could imbibe. Yeah, yeah. We we should have made this for later on tonight. So I could have. Yeah, a bad idea. <laughs> a really bad idea. <laughs> I know what our conversations get into. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, well. Yeah. Well, I one of the meetings I had this morning. Uh, I don't know how it came about, but we ended up talking about vaginas for. 15 minutes. Nice. Have you read that book? I was actually going to share it in the group because um, I'm reading it at the moment. I've nearly finished it called Me and My Menopause or Vagina. I, you need no, to read I it. I read that. I'll put the link up okay. in the group. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Because this, it, it, it's something that's kind of made me think, but because she's got what's called vaginal atrophy. And it happens to a lot of women in menopause and it's never spoken about. And if you go to the doctor, they'll just tell you to use more lubricant, have more sex, but it's actually debilitating um, to the point where Ooh. she couldn't function for several years. She couldn't walk, she couldn't sit down, she couldn't do anything, couldn't stand up. Um, oh, bloody hell. So really fascinating. Yeah. But she brings out all of the issues around menopause that I've spoken about in the group and that I've been trying to talk yeah. about, you know. 
yeah, um, yeah. so yeah really good good read it's a good read because it's a story it's not just kind of dry medical information you know yeah it's her personal yeah. story and yeah but yeah very interesting very interesting cool. so another, see another person who's written her story for the benefit of others yes. yeah yeah love it yeah, yeah. i know mm. so are you doing your story <laughs> yeah well that that um, pre- presentation, she says, pointing at the other screen. Yeah, uh, that, that, that actually part of it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a very small section of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's coming out. Yep. Ooh, fantastic. Maybe maybe never published, but yes, I'm right, yeah. writing it. Well, I'd, I'd be an idiot to be um, going down this this track of getting other people's stories if I haven't done it myself. So that's the other thing yeah. is that. What is written down doesn't need to be published at all. Like no. that's not the purpose, no. is it? What's the no. purpose of it? Well, the purpose is to just get it out of your own head, so it's there. And if if you want, you can actually leave it in your your will to two generations down the track, or or whatever. Yeah. Or so it, the, it just might never go anywhere. It, it's just for you. So the website's like completely secure, isn't it? So you, yes, the information complete, that's yep. in there just stays in there. You're the only one yep. who has access to it. So it's not yep. like anybody can go in there and look at it. No. You're not no, sticking it up no. on the internet. <laughs> no, no. The, the only person who has access to that is the person with the, the um, password to get in. Right. Yeah. And when and will it be ready? You, well, I'm hoping by Christmas. Yeah, because I I want it to be right, uh, rather than get it up there in a hurry and then work out the the problems with it later. But in the meantime, I'm I'm happy to talk to people and get them started on the journey, which is why I'm saying I've got the pilot at the moment, because what the finished product will will be something that functions with pretty seamlessly, and 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 we can have fortnightly discussions. People can just join in from anywhere around the world and I will make myself available. Wow. <laughs> so the people involved in the pilot are basically the guinea pigs as in that the guinea pigs. Out all yeah. the all the yeah. how it works and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And and just making sure that um yeah, we're we're being yeah, that the problems are ironed out before uh we, we go too far down the track. Yeah, because I'd hate hate to get into it and go, oh, shit doesn't work, and yeah, and have to start again. <laughs> I think some, something like this because it's so important and so personal. It needs to be right, so people are comfortable with it, and they yeah. know, and they they know that um, well. They're not only are they heard, but they they are cared for. And people can get in touch with you. Well, I mean, your address and email address and everything was up there before, but I'll also put it yep. on the website. I'll put it at the end of the video yep. so people can contact you. And yep. and you're in the group as well. You're in the Menopause, yep. Marriage and Motherhood group. Yep. So yep. join the group and then you can get in touch with Jo there because she's pretty yeah. active in the group as well. Oh, well, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I stalk. <laughs> I stalk. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> she sees because, everything. She doesn't necessarily comment. Yeah, I know she's I, there. <laughs> yes, I know. So thank Damn you very social much. Social media. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks so for that. Amazing. Woo. That's so amazing. Woo. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Come and join us in our new Facebook group, the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood group, where we'll discuss what happened in this podcast and all the other things that have got to do with midlife. I'll see you there.